Hi there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of How to Live, the podcast where we have real, meaningful, and fun conversations with people who inspire us. And sometimes we just have them with each other. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon, and we hope you've been out there making some new friends since our How to Make Friends as an Adult episode that we recorded a couple of months ago now. Jess, how have you been going with making new friends? Well, something really interesting that came out of that episode was the realization that everyone wants to make new friends. And I feel like before that, if I did want to make new friends, sometimes I would feel embarrassed or insecure about that. But even having the knowledge now that everyone really feels like they want to make new friends, I feel like it's given me this newfound confidence in being able to like approach people and be super friendly with them and connect with them. Mm, That's so true because we put all this polling out there and we were asking everybody for their feedback. And what we were getting back is that everybody wants to make new friends. Overwhelmingly, that was the consensus, which we were quite surprised by, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, exactly. So I've been taking that new knowledge into making some new friends and I've just been really putting myself out there and being super confident and vulnerable about it. I'm happy to report I have made a new couple of friends. Ooh, love that. That's so exciting. Where did you make them? So one I made on Instagram. <laughs> Does that sound ridiculous? <laughs> I love it. We had been chatting prior to us recording that conversation, but then once we had put the conversation out there, I realized how much she probably also wanted a new friend. I started voice noting her. And we started voice noting back and forth because, you know, that's my move, evidently. That's your pickup line. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, if I'm voice noting you right now, you know I want to be your friend. So we haven't caught up in person yet, but now that I am back in Melbourne, I'm sure we will soon. Oh, I love that. That's so cute. I actually have taken a friendship to the next level and I've made some new friends. So one of the ways I made some new friends and some new good friends who I chat on the phone to, which is huge for me because before that it was like only my people that I've been friends with forever. But that was through a retreat that I went on that I'm going to speak about later in this episode. But actually I went away last week with one of my best friends, Dean, who we did an Insta Live with on how to make friends as an adult. And his partner, Gabe, we also went away with. And it was really nice getting to spend all this extra time with Gabe and feeling closer to him. So after the weekend, I sent him a text just to be like, hey, just wanted to say it was like so nice to spend the weekend with you. I have so much fun with you because I just thought you always end up in your head and you don't really know if they like you or what they're feeling. And he took things next level and he sent me back a video being like, oh, I'm so glad you expressed your feelings. I was really feeling that too. And it was just this really nice moment that I feel like brought us closer together. Oh, awesome. I love that. Doesn't it make such a difference when you actually articulate how you feel about someone? I was actually reading on my wall this morning. I've got these 2020 intentions up on my mirror that I wrote down at the beginning of the year. And I just thought, oh, you know, I'll check in with them. Like we're towards the end of the year. You know, how did I go? Obviously some I couldn't fulfill because I was inside most of the time. But one of them was articulating to people how I feel about them. And I've definitely gone through stages where I'm really open about that and stages where I'm not. But it just feels so nice 
to tell someone how you feel and also think about the times when other people tell you how they feel about you. How nice does that make you feel? Mm, so nice. I love that. And I had a goal to walk a half marathon in October and that definitely did not happen. Let's blame that one on 2020. (laughs) So the idea for today's episode actually came about when a friend sent me a quote text this morning by Eckhart Tolle, the incredible author of The Power of Now and Spiritual Guru. And the quote was, it is inner stillness that will save and transform the world. So it kind of got us talking about how crazy the world is right now, how there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of us do feel like we want to take action to save the world. And this idea that actually it all begins with self-work and you know we love to talk about self-work. So we are going to get into today's episode. Do stick around to the end to hear what incredible epic guest we are very excited to have on next week. And let's do this. So it was funny when we got talking this morning about Steph's newfound favorite quote because the idea is super similar to one of my favorite quotes by Rumi, which is, yesterday I was clever, so I was changing the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself. So it's just this idea that ultimately we really do feel passionate about changing the things around us, but ultimately it all needs to start with going inward and it all needs to start with opening up to what's going on inside of ourselves. And I think I didn't used to make that connection. You know, I wanted to make a difference in the world, but I thought that the way to do that was to like power out into the world and make changes and kind of force change in a way. But as I've started to do more and more work on myself, I've realized how it's changed me. It's changed my outlook on the world. It's changed the way I interact with people. I react to people. It's changed the work that I want to do. So I can see how much just by working on myself, I am changing the world. Mm, And I think it's going about change in a different way. I can completely relate to what you're saying with that didn't really used to resonate with you. I actually remember being in Bali doing my yoga teacher training and the idea of this self-study, self-work came up and that was the channel to change. And I raised my hand and I was like, but if we all sat back and did nothing, then nothing would ever change. What about feminism? What about equality? La, la, la. You know, and I was still like very much in action mode. Yes. I feel like that's the perfect example. That's what everybody says the first time they hear that because that's what we've been conditioned to do. Action, go, get it, do it. And we see this other way as being too passive to actually make a change. Mm. And I think that this way isn't about not taking action, but it's about taking action from a different place and maybe about taking steps before that action is taken so that the action actually comes from this more understanding, empathetic place rather than an angry place. Because just like we've said so many times on this podcast, nothing happens from anger. It's just square peg, round hole vibes. We're not actually pushing the needle. Yeah. And I've talked about this a lot on this podcast, but our favorite meditation teacher, 
Tara Brach talks about love in action, which is that you kind of find your peaceful place within, which can take a lot of work. As we all know, we're all doing the work. And once you can find a peace within yourself, you're going to be motivated to change the world through love rather than through anger or fear. And that's when we call it love in action because you take action from that place of love. And I think that's so important because I think for me personally, in the past, I've wanted to change things, but I also haven't been able to recognize my own contribution to negativity in the world, even if it's just through me getting angry at people. And even if it's little things like, getting angry at people for not doing the right thing, I'm still putting anger out there. So actually that's not the best place to be in. The best place to be in is if I can be so calm and centered and peaceful within myself that if someone else is doing the wrong thing, I can have compassion for why they're doing the wrong thing. And actually Tara Brock tells this amazing story where her friend was with another friend who was a school principal and they saw a woman with her kid and the woman was getting really angry at the kid because the kid was throwing things and shaking the kid. And the school principal went up to the woman and you'd think that maybe she would scold her and tell her off. But rather than doing that, she was like, oh, how old is your son? And the woman's like, oh, he's three. And oh yeah, it's so tough, isn't it? Oh, he seems like such a good kid. And the woman was like, yeah, he is a good kid and kind of started to cuddle him. And, you know, it's just really amazing what we can achieve through complimenting and having compassion for other people rather than if she would have been like, hey, that's not okay that you're treating your kid like that. Then the woman would have gotten really defensive and been like, fuck you and walked off and then taken it out on the child. Yes, that's such a good example. So something that I found really interesting as well is I've introduced all of these practices into my life over the last couple of years and occasionally I fall out of them. And actually I am in that rhythm right now where I'm falling out. I'm not doing my morning routine. I'm rarely doing my night routine. Ever since Milu passed away, it like really threw me off, obviously. And I've just been going towards the TV for numbing or just waking up and going to have breakfast straight away rather than spending time with myself. And I think that what's been a really great gift to come out of that is that I'm able to notice what a difference all of those practices actually made to my life because I am now in this mode of being really reactive and being really angry and being annoyed when someone doesn't agree with my point of view or if I see someone who I don't feel like is doing the right thing for the environment, it really like affects me and it annoys me and it will ruin my afternoon or whatever. And I think that that's such a cool learning for me because it just proves the theory how important all of these practices are and how they can really just help completely change our experience because that's what they're doing. Like they're just changing my own experience in the world. They're not changing anybody else's. Me getting angry has no effect on anyone else other than myself. Totally. And I think that that's such an important first step is just even acknowledging or being aware of the fact that you are reacting in these ways. Sometimes that's just enough to begin with. And I think that often when you hear about this in the beginning, you're like, well, a tendency is to get angry at yourself for being like that. And then you kind of don't want to be aware of it because you're angry at yourself for it, but it's okay. It's actually awesome if you're aware of yourself for doing that 
There's no need to beat yourself up for it. We're all the way that we are for so many reasons. There's so much conditioning. It's totally fine. If you're angry at people who have other views, if you're angry at people who are chucking trash in the street instead of putting it away, that's totally fine. But maybe you're listening to this and you've never actually realized that there's another way to be other than angry when you see these things happen. And it's just enough to start to realize, okay, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time to explore how I could be a different way. Because I know for me, I never thought that there would be a different way. I thought I am who I am. I am the way I am. I can never change. And I wasn't necessarily that happy all the time, but I was like, well, I better just accept it because there's no way of changing. But there are ways to change. There are so many things you can do. And a tool here that I have found super helpful for me is once you do start to realize there is action that you can take. And this is actually a practice that we started doing in that moon to Simone women's coaching that I was a part of for an incredible eight weeks. And that was once you are able to start noticing your thoughts and noticing when you are getting angry or when things are making you reactive, to pause and ask yourself, is this helping my healing journey or is this keeping me stuck? And then I actually found it really helpful to create a tally in my journal of things. You know, one said healing and one side said stuck. And then I would literally categorize what was happening. I would even do it with the things that I ate, the things that I watched, the people I talked to. Like I started applying that to everything that happened throughout my life and just categorizing it into those two things, healing or keeping me stuck. And then from there, you're able to actually notice these things and then you're able to avoid the things that are keeping you stuck or catch yourself in them, take a breath, create some space between you and the thing. And then maybe, you know, you can start to move away from that sticky place. Mm, That's so incredible. And I have mentioned a book that I've been reading lately called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And definitely, definitely, if this is interesting, you recommend you go and read that book because he talks a lot about how he came to realize that there's this voice in our head and we all just accept that that voice is us. But actually, it's not us. It's a very technical concept. I'm not going to fully go into it because if this is new to you, the first time I hear it and even the hundredth time I hear it, I'm like, but wait, what? But basically talking about how there's this voice in our head and it's saying all this negative shit all the time. And the funny part is it contradicts itself all the time as well. Like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Why the hell did I just say that? No, it's fine. Don't even worry about it. Your voice is literally flip-flopping back and forth all the time. But what he does teach is this way of creating some distance, like you said, from all of these thoughts that we're having, from these patterns that we're in, creating a little bit of distance and a way to shift your relationship with that. So that's been a really awesome book for me, and I definitely, definitely recommend it. And I think there are so many incredible things that you can do to create more compassion within yourself and start to dive into this place of inner work to create change in the outer world. And we are going to talk about some of these tools, but I think for us, the perfect example of the journey that we've gone on and the shift that we've had in ourselves through doing this inner work was that 
a couple of years ago, before we had done any of this work, we loved our business and we always brought our values into our business. But, you know, we had a vegan shoe label tubes and that was really fulfilling us. And when we started to go down this path, we started to realize that things that used to drive us like being the biggest and world domination and making all this money became things that actually no longer were our goals. And we started to realize, okay, we really do want to be doing this to make impact. We really do want to be making a difference through what we do. And that prompted us to take all of these shifts and put us on this train of having a sustainable brand and doing it not just 50%, not just in five years, but like doing 100% and doing it as quickly as possible. And it became so important to us to have a kind business in every single way. And I just look at other brands and I'm like, wow, if every entrepreneur, if everyone who wanted to start a business, if everyone who had a voice and had the ability to create change were to go and do this personal work, imagine the kind of world we would be living in. Imagine the kind of change that people would be creating first within themselves and then within this outer world. Mm, That's so true because what you view as fulfillment just takes a complete shift. And like, I will be 100% honest in saying that in terms of my work, once I did come to the realization that it wasn't fulfilling me, like that was a really scary realization. And it was really uncomfortable for a while. And there were moments where I didn't even want to share with Steph how unfulfilled I was feeling through our work because I just didn't see a way out of it. The idea terrified me. And I was like, how much longer am I going to do this for? How much longer am I going to do something for nine or plus hours a day where I'm not feeling fulfilled? And then to be able to find that purpose within it, now I am in a place with work where I work on weekends with the biggest smile on my face because I don't see it as work anymore. Like I see it as purpose. I see it as creating change from this loving way that makes me feel so nourished that I I didn't even know was possible. Mm, And I think we could all do with a lot more of that. There are so many ways to start to do this inner work and we have talked about morning routines a lot on this podcast, big fans. My personal first step would honestly be journaling. I just think writing down what you're thinking, what you're feeling is so cheap. It's basically free minus the cost of pen and paper. Technically, you could use your laptop even if you have one. And it's just really writing down what's going on within you. And I think if you can commit to doing that every morning, if that's too much, doing it even every week, you'll see if you start to journal, it'll feel hard at first to really like get your inner thoughts and feelings out. But it's just starting to like clear the shit out. You know, it's starting to pull the shit out of you and pour it out. And it'll just start to bring you a little bit of clarity. And if you don't know what to write, just Google journal prompts, you know, Google journal prompts for self-love, Google journal prompts for gratitude, like anything that you're feeling like you want to work on. And Google is our friend in this instance, and it will just come up with a bunch of questions. And then you just sit with those questions and you just turn them inward. Or write down things that you would never want to admit to anyone. Because if you're like me and you just bottle everything up inside and you don't share what's really going on with anyone around you, just write it down. It can be scary because sometimes you don't want to admit things to yourself. 
But once you start to write it, just be like, you know what? I'm going to write it and then I'm going to chop it up into little pieces and nobody can ever, ever read this. But just getting it out there as a first step can be so beneficial, such a weight off and such an incredibly brave first step towards doing your inner work. Mm. I would say my most transformative practice is gratitude, which is so interesting as well because actually it's not scary. It's not challenging. You don't have to look at all of your demons in the way that a therapy session might be, for example, all good things. But just sitting down and writing five things that you're grateful for every single day. Like when I talked earlier in this episode about how I'm noticing myself being so much more reactive, I'm also noticing that I don't stop and notice the little things. So if I'm in my gratitude practice, I literally open my blinds every day. And I kid you not, I'm like an annoying person from a movie, but I look at the exact same view as I see every single day. And it's as if it is sparkling. Can I tell you, I don't know if you remember this, we'd go on family holidays and we would see the most amazing views. And I'd be like, "Mm, I'm just not a view person. I don't get views. And how funny is that? I was just in this place where I wasn't in touch with something a little bit deeper. I was obviously used to like such superficial stimulation and I would be like, I could just see this on a computer screen. I don't get it. But I think that through a gratitude practice, I've really come to be so appreciative. And now when I see a view, I'm like, breathtaking. I just want to soak it all in. It's such a change. It shifts your mentality, right? And like, I will tell you guys right now, you can't see me. You can only hear my voice, but one of my wrists is taped and the other one is in a wrist splint. So like, I can't use my wrists right now and I can't do yoga. I haven't been able to do yoga, which is my favorite thing in the world in like six weeks. But I can still sit down and when I start to write my gratitude, which I did this morning, tick, yay, I'm so grateful that I have wrists and I'm so grateful that I know that I am helping my wrists heal through this tape. And I mean it. And I could so easily be like, fuck my wrists, like fuck my joints. Why do they suck? I'm only 28. Why are they acting like I'm 88? But I'm just grateful that I've got them and that I can hold a microphone right now, you know, and that's what I am receiving from them right now. And that's from a gratitude practice. Wow, that is so incredible. Elliot's always like, oh my God, I feel so sorry for you about my wrist and about my body. And I'm like, no, don't. I'm so fine. Yeah, totally. I love that. So another incredible tool is meditation, obviously, and we do Vedic meditation and we did interview Laura Poole, our meditation teacher on this podcast. So definitely, definitely would recommend that episode if you're interested more in meditation. I think we've sent so many people to Vedic meditation. I know two people doing Laura Poole's course in December. Mm. So that is an incredible one. And then One of my favorite things, if you really want to like deep dive and 2021 could be a really good year for this for a lot of you, because a lot of us didn't get to do the things we wanted to in 2020. And I just love going on retreats. I just think it's such a cool way to immerse yourself in deep, deep healing with other people who will kind of push your healing along too. And for me being a really closed person, having other people around me that are like having their own breakdowns and crying about their own shit kind of gives me permission to do the same. And I actually went on a retreat in Byron Bay a few weeks ago now called The Hoffman Process. A lot of people that came on it actually heard about it either through 
Tim Ferriss did a podcast episode with Blake Makovsky, the founder of Tom's, and he talked about it. Or Katy Perry has also talked about it. Apparently, Justin Bieber went on it, but he only lasted like half of it. So it's really (laughs) big with celebrities. And it's basically this life-changing retreat, as they all are, but they really are. And you're there for a week and you dive into all of the patterns that your parents had when you were growing up and how those patterns have shown up in you, whether you have taken them on or whether you've rebelled against them or have some sort of a reaction to them. And you kind of go on this journey throughout the week. You know, there's like a day of sadness and grieving and you're crying. And then there's a day of anger and you're like physically getting the anger out of your body. And then there's like a day of play and fun. And it's just this incredibly designed week. And going through that with this group of 12 people was just so incredible. That's actually how I've made a bunch of friends. So I went from not being able to make new friends to now I like speak to all my Hoffman friends on the phone all the time. I'm going to stay with a couple of them in Sydney in a couple of weeks. So you really form these deep, deep connections with these people. But also it's just this incredible place that you can go to make intense transformation in such a short period of time. And then you get like all these tools that you can kind of use on an ongoing basis. And I actually found my new therapist through there, which I am loving. So yeah, Hoffman Process really gave me so, so much. And if you're interested, you can just book a free consultation with them online and they have them all around the world. Yeah, just incredible. I'm really dying to do the Hoffman process. So when you did it, Milu passed away while you were actually on the retreat, which was crazy. Crazy. So before you had gone on it, I was feeling like I would go and do that next year. And then once Milu passed away, I like was associating the idea of doing it with Milu passing away. And I was like, I'm never going to do that. But now that I have had a little bit of time, maybe it's been like four weeks or five weeks since Milu, I feel like I already have enough space from it to be like, oh no, I'm definitely going to do that next year. Yay. That's such good news. I love that. Yeah. Cause it's a lot of money that you're spending on these retreats. And I've heard that there are some that aren't that good, but then there are some that are just brilliant. So you really want a solid recommendation before going on one. And another kind that I've heard is incredible, but really hard to get into are Vipassana 10 day meditation retreats. And I think they're actually by donation, but I've been trying to do one for months now and I just cannot get in. Oh, someone on my Instagram just did a Vipassana one in New South Wales at like the Vipassana Center. Yeah, the Blue Mountains. That's the one. It looked stunning. Oh, yeah, I know, but it's like booked out and there's no way of getting in. But I need to do it as my prerequisite for my meditation teacher course next year. So I'll keep trying. Something else I've found that through all of these things, a lot of these practices are quite serious, which is great because there's definitely a need for that. But then there is so much space for fun and joy and lightheartedness. And I would say that my year has really been exploring more of those joyful practices. And even you touched on earlier there, that idea of the voice in your head not being you and trying to notice it. And something that I do now is when that voice is being particularly mean to me, or on the rare occasion that 
my voice will take on its 2015 voice and act like I have an eating disorder or something. And I just notice that voice being mean to my body. And I'm just like, I start laughing at it. And I'm like, oh, you're such a bitch. Like, why are you doing that? But in this really lighthearted, funny way. And by doing that, I'm disempowering that voice because all that voice is, is a voice. It's not anything more than that until we decide to give it power. And I'm finding that by laughing at it and by acting super lighthearted when that voice is being particularly crazy or rude to me, I just completely cut it off. And I'm like, nah, see ya. And then it's got nothing on me. How could it have any sort of power on me if I literally laugh at it? Oh my God, I love that. At Hoffman, we lasso it off and we fling it away. And then we're like, ha ha, see ya. And it's exactly the same thing. It's that thought process of, Let's just do something silly and fun and be like, bye, because that dark voice can't handle the fun and silliness. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing that I've been doing, which is also from Moon, is dancing, popping on fun music and dancing. I realized that I only ever dance, well, I I would dance sometimes, but usually late at night when I've like had a few drinks and I'm out with friends or whatever. And now just giving myself permission to like chuck on some really fun music and dance around the house, even if I'm making lunch or like if I'm feeling particularly sad. And just knowing that I am allowed to do that if I feel called to, you know, because I think so much of these things is they pique our interest and then we talk ourselves out of it. Mm. We say like, oh, that's okay for them, but that's not okay for me. And dancing's one of those things where like Sa and Moon, the two best people ever, you know, I'd always seen them dancing and I'd be like, that's for them. I like to do that, but that's not for me for whatever reason, you know, insecurities and conditioning. But just giving myself full permission to be as silly and act as fun as I want to is such a nicer place to be than in that little box that I used to like to keep myself in. Mm, so good. I love blasting the music, having a little dance around and imagining that Milu's dancing around with me. Yeah. He loved to dance. So we hope that you have learned a little something from today's episode and that you're feeling inspired to do a little more inner work in order to make this world a better place. We do have a few other episodes on this train if you are interested. We're going to drop the links and names to those in the show notes. Let's get into some quick fires. Okay, what is your favorite vegan food right now? Panna chocolate chocolate ice cream. I said chocolate twice because it's chocolate and it has chocolate inside it. So just to clarify, it's chocolate chocolate. It's so yum. Delicious and it's refined sugar free. Can't handle that. Okay, so I have really been lacking yogurt in my life. I don't like the taste of coconut, so Koyo just does not do it for me. So yesterday, I bought this combination yogurt. It is a combination of oat, coconut, and rice, and it tastes exactly like yogurt, and my mind is just blown, and I'm so excited about it. And the brand is the Collective Dairy Free. I got it at Woolworths. Oh, yum. Gonna have to try that. But also you're gonna have to get over this coconut thing because it's hard being a vegan without coconut. I have gotten over it for the most part, but Koyo is still one that just like, bleh. I love Koyo. I used to love Koyo ice cream, but now since Panna, I've been ruined. (laughs) What is the first thing you are doing when you wake up at the moment? What? 
it's checking my phone. Mine too. <laughs> I'm in a really bad habit. Oh my gosh. Okay. So on my 2020 list of intentions, I put sleeping with my phone in my bathroom. And I started doing that in July and it was so good. And I was spending way less time on my phone because I wasn't on it at night and I wasn't on it in the morning. That lasted probably about three months. And then I gotten back into a bad habit. Mm, Same. Got to get out of that again. Good reminder. What's your favorite weekend activity at the moment? Favorite weekend activity would have to be taking Panther to the beach because he just loves it so much. He's so happy. Mm. He's actually a bit fat at the moment and he can't run very fast, which is great because otherwise he runs away from us and there are snakes around and that just doesn't sit well. (laughs) What about you? Mine would probably be Pancake Sunday. We make vegan pancakes every Sunday morning. They're like low gluten as well. I think they're buckwheat flour, oat flour, and oat milk. Yum. And they're delicious. And it's just a fun little tradition. Do you make tadpoles? No, we don't make tadpoles. We make crepes. Do you know what tadpoles is from? Babysitter's Club? Yeah, Babysitter's Club movie. (laughs) Okay, last quick fire. What is the last piece of jewelry you bought for yourself? Oh, well, my favorite earring brand, Maria Black, they actually have the most beautiful gold earrings, which I love so much. And when Milu died, I was so sad. So I went onto her website and I bought myself this earring that I have honestly wanted for about 12 months. It's this gold hoop and it's got pearls on the inside and it's so pretty. And now every time I wear it, I think of him. Oh, so nice because he was a pearl. What about you? I recently bought myself this beautiful necklace from our friend's brand, Gypsy Jewelry. And it's this gorgeous eye. And you actually have a similar one. Yeah. But mine has like a little gem in the middle and I love it. Mm, she has such great stuff. Definitely encourage you to check it out. It's like Gypsy, but at the end it's E-Y-E instead of a Y. And I also got Renan a backgammon board from her for his birthday. And it is the most beautiful backgammon board I have ever seen in my life. Amazing. So fun. I love backgammon. I know. We've been playing it heaps lately. I'm really bad at backgammon though. Like I beat Elliot on every game except in backgammon. He always wins. Oh, funny. Well, I'm getting better at it because I'm practicing. Practice, baby. It's all about the practice. So we would love to request your help in spreading the word about this podcast so that more people can come on over and we can all learn together. So please rate us five stars and share this episode with a friend who you feel like could just love to listen to it. Next week on the podcast, ha, 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 we are excited because we have the medical medium, Anthony William. We are going to be chatting to him about all things health and food. And oh my goodness, it's going to be amazing. Here is a little snippet. The medical medium information being the largest healing community right now in the world in chronic illness and the largest safe space in the world for the chronically ill being at that place, that's out of the noise. And the reason why it's so big is because no one ever on this planet has gotten that many people to heal from the worst debilitating symptoms and conditions. It's my street cred. That's next week on the podcast. During the week, please come over to all of our favorite podcast places where How to Live the Podcast on 
Facebook and how to leave the podcast on Instagram. We would just love to see you there. Have an awesome week. See ya. Love you. Bye. Bye.